to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Eleven critical things that your prayers produce. Eleven critical things that your prayers produce. Um, And I'll break these down for you. We'll get into them. But the first thing we need to say right off the bat, if you're taking notes, put it in the comments as well for those that watch later. Number one, your prayer makes great power available. No question about that. Prayer is not just a spiritual discipline. Prayer is not just some kind of a ritual. Prayer makes extreme spiritual power available. And the Bible's clear about this. And if, if you need to write that in your notes, it's James 5 and verse 16. James five sixteen. the Bible says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The footnote says the effective prayer of a righteous person has great power, has great power. So number one, as you pray by faith, your prayer has great power as it is working. Amen. Your prayer has great power as it is working. So there's no, uh, there's no question about it. Um, the prayers release power. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example of this in Mark chapter nine. Uh, very interesting that Jesus had no problem producing results. Whereas the disciples from time to time did right. The disciples from time to time had problems producing those results and Jesus would rebuke them. And say, where's your faith? Or what? Oh, ye of little faith. Or how is it that you have no faith? And then he'd explain to them that they should have been able to do what he did. This is one of those times in Mark 9. If you remember, they bring him a child uh, that is demon-possessed. And the parents say, you know, Jesus, we brought our son to your disciples, but they couldn't cast the demon out of him. They couldn't. They tried, but they could not do it. And Jesus says uh, in response... You faith, this is Mark 9, 19. You faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring the boy to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus said to his father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, since, since childhood. And it was often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And then he cast the demon out of the boy. And then look at this answer. Because the disciples said in verse 28, privately, why could we not cast it out? And verse 29 is the answer that shows what I'm talking about. Jesus said to them, and this kind of demon cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Look at that. A life of prayer. It's not that they didn't pray. In fact, if you read the story, um, 
Jesus didn't pray to cast the demon out. Get this in context. Jesus didn't pray to cast the demon out. He didn't say, oh, Father, I pray that this demon would leave. No, no, no. He commanded the demon to come out. So he's not talking about there's like a special prayer that casts demons out. He's saying that if you're not living a life of prayer, if you don't have a lifestyle of prayer, don't expect to release power and spiritual authority if you don't have a, life, a lifestyle of prayer. And in fact, if you, if you look through this, the Gospels, you'll notice that that is the issue with the disciples initially, right? Uh, and, and the only thing that they ever asked Jesus to teach them is they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Why? Because the disciples understood that the thing that's producing all of Jesus' results is his life of prayer. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And even when they got to the place in the garden, you know, of Gethsemane, uh, and he said, we got to pray. We got to press in and pray. He goes to pray, comes back, they're sleeping. He wakes them up, pray, goes back, prays some more, comes back, they're sleeping, wakes them up again. They couldn't even stay awake to pray. So you can see that Jesus had a dedicated life of prayer and the disciples did not. And they had to learn to do that so that after his resurrection, they had learned their lesson and they were praying fervently. And the Bible even tells us in Acts that they would pray for at least an hour every day. And in Acts chapter three, they were going up to the temple, Peter and John, at the hour of prayer. So they had begun to establish set prayer times to, to spend in the presence of God. And you, you read passages throughout Acts where they're all in a house praying together. They learned that lesson. And look how the church was filled with power and they began to do the works of Christ and miracles ensued. Why? Because when you pray, it makes power available. That's number one. That's the number one critical thing you need to understand. Prayer releases the power of God. Prayer releases power as it is working. Number two, the second critical thing uh, that your prayers produce is healing. Your prayers produce healing. You need to put that in the comments and in your notes. Your prayers produce healing. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Back in James 5 again, the Bible says, um, verse 14, James 5, 14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. And so the second thing you need to see here is that the prayer of faith will produce healing in your body or in someone else's body. Your prayers are producing healing. Thank you, Jesus. It releases healing virtue, healing power. Same thing that the Bible says here in James 5. The elders of the church can pray for you, right? And that prayer will produce healing power. Uh, the same is true. Mark 16 tells us that a believer who is converted, signs will follow those believers and they'll lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall recover. And, and you look through the church history, it's not just the 12 apostles that were healing the sick. No. In fact, there were 70 that returned to Jesus that said, um, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, don't rejoice that the demons are subject unto you, but that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
So it wasn't just the 12 apostles that were healing the sick. There were many others because God's given that power to his children, not just to the uh, apostles of the lamb, the 12 apostles, but to his children. And you read through church history, first century, second century, they were still seeing healing miracles. You read through the church fathers, they were still seeing the power of God in manifestation. And so uh, your prayer releases the power of healing to set the captives free. Amen. To set the captives free. Did you ever take notice that um, the Bible says that when people stand before God, that they'll say to him, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you workers of iniquity. So notice he's not talking about his 12 disciples there. He's not talking about just a few people in the uh, first century church there. No, he's talking about believers uh, across the board that did these works. So you have to realize either one of two things is true on the day of judgment. Either number one, they did those things. They did cast out devils. They did prophesy. And then they fell away from the faith, lost their salvation or walked away from their covenant. And God will refuse them entrance into heaven. Or they're standing in front of God, lying to his face. Lord, I cast out devils in your name. I, uh, but it doesn't seem to be that way from the passage, does it? Because who's going to stand in front of a holy God and knowing, you know, because if you look at the context of the passage, they're confused. Those standing in front of God at judgment, they are confused. Lord, why aren't you allowing me into the presence of your spirit? Why can I not enter into heaven? You know, I did work for you. You know, I cast out devils in your name. You know, I healed the sick. I, you know, I, you know, I prophesied in your name. What's going on? Why? And he said, no, depart from me. I never knew you. They're confused. They're listing their works, but he says, no, I never knew you. So it's not just the 12 apostles. This is for all of those who are called. All of those who are called. John 14, 12. The Bible says, uh, in fact, let's turn there because this is important for you to see. I know there's Christians that this bothers their mind. Well, is it really for me to do these things? Am I really anointed to see these things happen? Or is it just for preachers? Or is it just for the apostles or just for Jesus? No, no. John 14, 12 is hard to get around. Very hard to get around for the critics. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus is speaking, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Not just the apostles, whoever believes in me, any Christian will do the works of Christ, any Christian. So your prayer produces healing virtue. Thank you, Jesus. Your prayers produce healing virtue to eradicate sickness and disease and to bring healing to the one for whom you're praying. Number three, your prayers produce deliverance. Prayer produces deliverance. Glory to God. Acts chapter 16, of course, you know the story. Peter and John are, or excuse me, Peter and John, uh, Paul and Silas are locked in prison, not just in prison, in the inner dungeon, in the inner dungeon, Paul and Silas, uh, being persecuted for the Christian faith. And they, they're locked 
uh, away even from the other prisoners in the inner dungeon. And the Bible says, and at midnight, they began to do two things, pray and sing praises to God. Pray and sing praises to God. In fact, you should do the same. Link those two things together in your time with the Lord. Pray, but praise him also. Prayer and praise, prayer and praise, prayer and praise. They go together. They're the twins in the presence of God in your private time. Prayer and praise. They're the twins in private time. Do it together. Don't just do one or the other. Pray and praise. It produces results. Produces results. The Bible says, and as they begin to pray and sing praises unto God, not only did the Lord hear them, but the place began to shake. They were locked up literally. They were not locked up figuratively. They were in a prison cell chained up. And the Bible says when the place shook, that every door in the prison popped open and every chain fell off of every prisoner. Glory to God. So their prayer and their praise, it didn't just set them free. It set everybody free. Glory to God. That's why I like that. Just read that testimony of the one who was believing for their brother to be saved, praying, Lord, save my brother, set my brother free. Not only did he get saved, came back, and it brought peace. Brought peace. He said it slept like he'd never slept like he'd never slept before. Even started giving. Oh yeah, it brought deliverance. It brought deliverance from sin. And so your prayer releases power to bring supernatural deliverance. Maybe there's people bound by addiction. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what type of addiction. It all has to break. It all has to break. Maybe you find yourself in some kind of an invisible prison of anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. It doesn't matter. Prayer brings power for deliverance. Thank you, Jesus. That's number three. Number four, prayer gives you access to direction. Amen. Prayer gives you access to divine direction. One of the things I hope you received, I know we did, during this time of fasting and prayer, was divine direction. I hope the Lord uh, gave you direction regarding your life, your family, your business, your ministry. I pray that he did. I pray that as you pressed into his presence, you got the, you got the clear answer of which way you should go and what you should do. Because that's, that's part of the benefits of prayer part of the benefits of prayer. And so it gives you access to what? Divine direction, divine direction. I like that even in the Old Testament, David um, needed direction from the Lord and prayed for it. He prayed for it. First Samuel 30, uh, when he comes back to uh, Ziklag, the Bible says uh, he and his men, their wives were all abducted, children, possessions, everything taken away, everything taken away. But he didn't just go after his wives and children and possessions. He said, Lord, let me know, should I pursue this band of raiders? Will I overtake them? And will I recover everything? He's basically what he's saying is he's not going unless the Lord gives him direction to go. And the Lord said, pursue for you shall surely recover all. Pursue, for you shall surely recover 
all. Thank you, Jesus. And so I want you to see this. When you pray, the Lord will give you direction. You hear his voice. You'll not follow a stranger's voice. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you know his voice. Hallelujah. The world does not know him, but you know him. You know him. And as you pray, divine direction comes to you. Maybe you're still believing in this moment right now for divine direction. Begin to pray. Say, Lord, I need to hear you. Which way do I go? What should I do? Because nothing, nothing is uh, worse than floating through life. Nothing is worse than uh, just drifting and not knowing your purpose. Nothing's worse than that. It's a frustrating feeling. So I recently did a broadcast on how to do away or combat frustration. No Christian should have to live frustrated every day. The Spirit guides you. The Spirit guides you. By the way, for those that don't know, if you have missed out on our uh, Miracle Word You course on answered prayer, I want to encourage you to go check it out. You can go to MiracleWordU.com, MiracleWord, the letter U.com. All of our courses are there. But we have an entire course, about five hours plus, of teaching on how to get your prayers answered, answered prayer. And uh, I think it's only, what is it, $69 for, for the entire course? Is that right? It's only like $69 for the entire course. And you have all of these videos that you can watch at your own pace on how to get your prayers answered, walking in answered prayer, the biblical way. And so I want to encourage you to go check that out if you don't, if you haven't already. So you get number four, you get access to divine direction, which every one of us needs. Why? Because when we operate by divine direction, it opens up the blessing of the Lord to our lives and ministries and businesses by the leading of the Holy Ghost, because God pays for what he orders. Amen. God pays for what he orders. All right. Number five, what else do you get access to? Divine secrets about the future. Secrets about the future. I love that. Even the prophet Jeremiah in an Old Testament context, who was a prophet, by the way, the Lord said to him, call unto me, Jeremiah 33 and verse three, call unto me and I'll answer you and I'll show you secrets, one translation said, about the future. I believe that's the new living. Secrets, remarkable secrets about the future. Let me give it to you in the ESV. Call to me and I'll answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Let me give you some insight here. Jeremiah was not filled with the Holy Ghost. He was not the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is the voice, by the way, that leads you and guides you into all truth. Amen. Leads you and guides you into all truth. So let me just give you a heads up. Now that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to ask God to come down and give you a word. There's the Holy Spirit is in you. He's in you. And he can show you. He can warn you about things to come. And that's how we live as Christians. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, and verse 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. They are the sons of God. And so I want to encourage you that as you pray, expect God to show you secrets about the future. Be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Be very sensitive. And let the Lord show you where you should go, what you should do. It's not just being led. The Lord will at least even come. There's a difference. Watch this now. There's a difference between being led by the Spirit in everyday choices, 
uh, decisions that need to be made. There's a difference between being led by the Spirit and then God revealing to you secrets about the future. He may reveal a secret to you and then lead you by His Spirit regarding what to do because He's given you knowledge about what's to come. And it takes faith to obey those instructions. I've shared with you the story before on how uh, Brother Hagin, God woke him up one time and told him that a recession was coming to America. Well, that is a divine secret about the future. Nobody could have known that. Nobody could have predicted uh, because it didn't happen for months and months after the Lord told him. Nobody could have predicted it and he didn't know it by his natural wisdom. And the Lord woke him up out of a dead sleep and began to speak to him. This is what's about to happen in your nation. And so that's a divine secret that he had access to. But then when God was done giving him that knowledge, he then began to give him instructions regarding what to do with that knowledge. And so what, what, is, he, what is he saying there? He's saying, I want you to go and take these actions in your ministry immediately. I want you to pull out of everything. One of the instructions, pull out of every ministry that I never instructed you to get involved with. Any outreach, anything you're doing that I didn't specifically tell you to do, end it. End it immediately. Because it's you did that in your own strength and in your own might. And I'm not providing for something I didn't tell you to do. And then he gave him like four or five instructions. He wrote them all down. He said in his book that he went into his office that day and did all the things. And then later, the recession did come. But, as he tells us, he didn't suffer from the recession in his ministry while other ministries did. Other ministries did. He said others were going off television, going off radio, having to cut back on their whatever. He said, we never felt the recession. He said, not only that, he said, during the recession, because we obeyed the Lord's instructions, we raised all the money cash to build the Bible school campus during recession. That's a wonder. But how did it come to pass? Because through prayer and through his sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, the Lord gave him a divine secret and then leading or guidance about what to do because of the knowledge that he had now. And that's what the Lord will do for you. The very same thing. He will reveal to you divine secrets about the future. He'll show you things to come and then he'll lead you and guide you into what you need to do now that you have access to that. One, two, three, four, five. Number six, one of the things that comes through prayer is personal refreshing. That's a critical thing if you understand what it's like to not be refreshed, to be worn out, to be burnt out, to, be, to feel heaviness on you, to feel a heaviness on you. Prayer, number six, gives you access to personal refreshing, personal refreshing, specifically prayer in the spirit, prayer in the spirit. Amen. The Bible says in first Corinthians chapter 14 and verse four, that one who prays in tongues edifies or encourages himself. One who prays in an unknown tongue edifies or encourages himself. So praying in the spirit will literally refresh you, encourage you, edify you. Amen. And I've asked this before. How many of you have prayed in tongues? And as you're praying, I mean, as you're praying in the spirit, you feel that 
it's like a supernatural strength come on you. I feel it often. I mean, just, it doesn't even take long. I'll be praying in the spirit and boom, it'll hit, it'll hit me all at once. I feel, I feel like ready to, to, to run a race. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Isaiah 40, 31, Glenn puts in the comments, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They that wait upon the Lord, those that are actively engaged in what he's called them to do, they shall renew their strength. It's brand new strength. It's brand new refreshing, new edification. In fact, did you know the Bible says that, uh, and this is number seven, number seven, it'll also build up your faith. It won't just encourage you. It will stir up your, your holy faith. That's Jude verse 20. There's only one chapter in Jude verse 20, but you beloved building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy ghost. So another thing, number seven, it'll build up your faith. What does that mean? Doesn't give you more faith. It stirs up the faith you already have. Stirs up the faith you already have. Say, what are you talking about? It's like a runner or an athlete stretching their muscles for competition. You know, you don't just run out on the court or on the field right in your street clothes and start playing the game. You'll hurt yourself. So what do they do? They warm up. They stretch out. They get themselves prepared for the, for the match or the game or whatever they've got getting ready to come up. They prepare their body to do the work they're going to do. And here, it doesn't give you more faith. It just stirs your faith up and gets it ready for action. Hallelujah. Stirs your faith up and gets it ready for action. I, I've told you the story many times of when my friend in high school got into a car accident, went into a coma. What did I do? I showed up in the waiting room and started praying in the Holy Ghost. And what happened to me as I'm pacing back and forth in the waiting room of the hospital, praying in the Holy Ghost, it's like I could feel my faith building, 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 rising up in me. Then I started getting angry at the devil for attacking my friend. And before it was done, by the time that thing hit me, my faith was so stirred up that I just made a beeline for the ICU. Even when they tell me you can't go back there, it's only for family. When I turned around and looked at that nurse, she saw I meant business. She said, just go ahead, I'm unlocking the door, just go back, just go back. And I went back, prayed for him. The next day he came out of that coma. Nurses said he may never come out. They said, even if he does, he'll have memory loss and you know motor skill damage and all this stuff. Never had any of it, never had any of it. And I felt that what caused me to take those actions? Not that I didn't have faith, I stirred my faith up. I prayed in the Holy Ghost till my, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like taking water in a kettle and putting it on the stove and turning the heat all the way up. It's going to bubble a little bit at the beginning, but by the end, that's a rolling boil. By the end, steam is shooting out of the top of that kettle and it starts to whistle. Why? Because the substance has been there all along, but adding your prayer in the spirit is like turning the burner on, right? If the water is your faith, the water's been there all along. The, the substance is in you. The substance is in you. But when you pray in the Holy Ghost, it's like putting a burner on underneath the kettle and it gets that faith bubbling, ready for action. Stirring yourselves up, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, many of these powerful men of God that have shaken the world have uh, encouraged the body of Christ to pray in the spirit even more often than they do now. Lester Sumrall uh, said, you should wake up in the morning and pray in the Holy Ghost till uh, you feel the breakthrough, till you put your flesh under, till you get, a, get in the spirit and then live your day off that power. 
Hallelujah. Live your day off that, but don't, don't do anything till you pray in the Holy Ghost till you feel the breakthrough. Pastor Attaboy, who I played at the beginning of this um, broadcast today, he said, no minister should stand in a pulpit to minister to God's people if they haven't yet prayed in the spirit for an hour. Shouldn't stand to even minister to others until you've prayed in the spirit for an hour. Amen. It's not a, a light thing. It's an important thing. Stir up your faith. That's number seven. Stir up your faith. You know, the other thing it releases forgiveness. Number eight, forgiveness. Forgiveness. That's power. The power of prayer brings forgiveness. Brings forgiveness. Number six, divine uh, secrets. Jeremiah 33, three. Number seven, builds up your faith. Personal refreshing, 1 Corinthians 4, 14, 4. Builds up your faith, Jude 20. Number eight, forgiveness, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me read something to you that I don't think a lot of people focus on. Mark eleven twenty five. We talk about 22, 23, 24 all the time. What about Mark eleven twenty five? And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who's in heaven may forgive your trespasses. Do you ever think about this? Uh, it's one thing to pray for forgiveness for yourself, but you know, a lot of people, their hearts get hardened against other people. They start to hold grudges. They start to have uh, things that build up in their spirit, hardness of heart, and they, they carry a fence in their life, which keeps you out of your love walk, which stops your faith from working, which stops your prayers from being answered, by the way. You can't hold things against people and expect God to answer your prayers or your faith to function. Faith works by love. So you can't be walking in unforgiveness. You can't hate your brother. You, you can't uh, have a fence built up and be mad at somebody and I refuse to speak to them. Your prayers aren't going to be answered. Your faith won't work. You'll not have God uh, intervene in your life when you live like that. So Jesus encourages them after saying whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you'll receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. So one of the things that prayer does, it doesn't just bring forgiveness to you, but it also empowers you to forgive others. Hallelujah. Do you think Jesus, think about this. Do you think Jesus would have been empowered if he did not have that life of prayer, do you think he'd be empowered to be on the cross saying, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. They just tortured him. They nailed his hands into wood. They nailed his feet into wood. They whipped his back until flesh hung off. They beat his face until it was unrecognizable. They drug a crown of thorns down over his brow. They pierced his side. Blood and water flowed out. Do you think if he didn't have a life of ongoing prayer that he'd be able to look down from the cross and say, Lord, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, Lord. When you pray, it sinks your heart with the heart of the Father and gives you the ability to forgive others who have done you wrong. Why do you think the Bible tells us that we should forgive those, pray for those, 
that spitefully use us, that talk against us, that work against us. Pray for those. It, it, first of all, it keeps your heart in the right place and it empowers you to forgive them. Empowers you to forgive them. The disciple said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? In a day, talking about one day. Talking about one, if the same sin over and over. He said seven times. He said, no, how about 70 times seven? Same sin. Somebody does the same thing against you in the same day 490 times. 490 times. Yeah, forgive them. Yeah, but they already did it to me three times today. Yeah, go ahead and do it. If they do it 490 times, forgive them again and forgive them again and forgive them again. Prayer puts you in position to forgive those that have done you wrong. And then you know what happens? Puts you in position to walk by faith, to walk in love, to have miracles in your life, to see God do the wonderful things he's promised and covenanted with you to do and you'll not be left out of God's blessing. Amen. Amen. That's number eight, forgive. Number nine, protection. Your prayer brings protection. Praise the Lord. Your prayer brings protection. I'm thinking specifically of King Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 19. I love this. This is one of my favorite Old Testament stories of protection. I've preached it inside and out. King Hezekiah surrounded by Sennacherib, king of Assyria, with their army. 185,000 soldiers stationed around their city. It's a siege. They're ready to invade and kill them. And they, they, take, they take it one step too far. One step too far. King Sennacherib mocks Jehovah. Oh, what a mistake. What a mistake. Belittles the God of heaven and earth. Do you really think your God is going to protect you from us? You know, other nations thought the same about their God. And we still destroyed them, killed their men, took their women and children captive. You know what he just did? He lumped the only true and living God, the Most High. He lumped him in with every false God. King Sennacherib just likened Yahweh to every other false God in the earth, saying your God is no different than a false God. Your God is no different than a dead image, an engraved image, no different. And he's not able to protect you. He's not able to help you. Oh, Hezekiah said, you think so? Let me take this letter into the temple and just read to God what you just said. Takes it in and reads to the Lord what Hezekiah just, or Hezekiah, what Sennacherib just said. And he said, Lord, now you heard what they said about you now. Now show yourself strong and mighty for your, and God's like, oh, I'm going to help you. From, but not for your sake. But, but for my name's sake and my servant David's sake. Woo, glory to God. Get that. For my name's sake. He's, I'm not letting my name be dragged through the mud by some uh, pagan king. I refuse to be slapped in the face from earth to heaven and not respond. And David did so much for me while he was on the earth, there's still favors in his account to pour out on you. So let me just go ahead and help you. And God didn't need to come off his throne or send the armies of heaven. Didn't matter there was 185,000 soldiers. He sent one angel, one angel, 2 Kings 19, verses 10 through 19, and then 36. One angel, hallelujah, one angel came down. And the Bible says, and when they arose in the morning and looked out, you know what they saw around their city? 
185,000 corpses on the ground. Because the angel of the Lord went through their camp and slaughtered every last one of those pagan soldiers. Every last one. And the king retreated back to where he came from. Because God sent one angel. You know what did it? The prayers and praise of Hezekiah. The prayers and praise of Hezekiah. It provoked God's hand and released divine protection for his people. Praise God. God's protecting your family as well in Jesus' name. Calamity will not be your story. Chaos will not be your story. Accidents won't be your story. Violence won't be your story. In Jesus' name, your family is being divinely protected by God's power. Number 10, peace. Your prayers produce peace. Hallelujah. Go with me to Philippians chapter 4. I know we're going back, we're going through these quickly, but you know what? You've got the ability to watch the replay on, on YouTube and you can do like I do and like Caitlin does. You can put it on 2x speed and watch through this one hour broadcast in 30 minutes. <laughs> so as you go back through, make all your notes. I'm mentioning all the scriptures, but that's the great thing about the replay. Number 10, peace is released by your prayer. Philippians chapter four, let me read um, verses six through, yeah, six and seven. Listen to this. Do not be anxious about anything, not anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice that peace is a guard. It's a shield. That means the things that take your heart out of peace are attacks of the devil. Think about that. Anything that comes in that causes your heart to go into turmoil, anxiety, he just commanded you. Don't be anxious about anything. That's a command. Why, why that's, would you be anxious when that that's you saying, I don't trust God to take care of me. I don't trust God to protect me. I don't trust God to provide for me. So I'm scared. I got to figure out a way to do something. I got to get through this situation. That's, that's you saying you don't trust God. So here's a command from scripture. Don't be anxious. Don't be depressed. Don't be heavy. Don't say through your actions and emotions and feelings that you don't trust God, whether you say it out of your mouth or not, that's what your emotions are projecting. I'm afraid. Why are you afraid if you know God's going to take care of you? Why are you afraid? So here's a command. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by what? Prayer and supplication. That's when you ask God to supply your needs. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God. So here's the benefit. The peace of God that goes beyond natural understanding, which means you can have peace when it doesn't look peaceful. You can sleep in a storm. Glory to God, you can sleep in a storm. It'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, which means anything that takes you away from peace is an enemy of your heart, your soul, your spirit, your life. I want you to put this in the comments. I haven't had you write a lot of things in the comments today other than the numbers, but put, put this in. Anxiety and depression are enemies of my soul. Anxiety and depression are enemies of my soul. Hallelujah. 
anxiety and depression. They are enemies of your soul. That's why peace of the peace of God is sent to guard your heart and mind, to guard your heart and mind. So what produces it? Prayer and thanksgiving. Prayer and thanksgiving provoke God's peace, which guards your heart and your mind by Christ Jesus. That's a wonderful benefit right there. Wonderful benefit. Wonderful. Hallelujah. So nice to have peace. It's such a blessing to live in peace. I'm so thankful that when I go home and at night I lay my head down on the pillow, I'm not up all night, you know, turning and tossing. How's our ministry going to make it? How's my family going to make it? How's everything? I don't understand how it's going to. No, I just lay my head on the pillow and go to sleep and go to sleep. And when I wake up in the morning, I don't wake up in a panic. Oh, I don't know what we're going to do. We got staff to pay. We got a ministry to run. I don't know how, I don't know how we're going to do it. No, no. I just wake up and go about my day in peace, knowing the Lord's doing. It's the Lord's doing marvelous in our eyes. It's his thing anyway. It's not mine. It's his. And peace is wonderful. The peace is wonderful. And then finally, number 11, before we pray, prayer releases strength to live holy. Matthew 26, this is Jesus' own words, Matthew 26, strength to please God with your life. As they're in the garden and the disciples keep falling asleep, like I told you before, uh, he wakes them up and finally Jesus says, this is uh, Matthew 26 verses 40 and 41, Matthew 26 Verses 40 and 41, listen. And he came to the disciples, found them sleeping, and said to Peter, could you not watch with me for one hour? Just a little aside here. That means Jesus didn't think that an hour was a long time to pray. He thought that was a short amount of prayer. He said, you couldn't even do one hour? You couldn't even do one hour? See? And then he says this, so watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Catch that in your heart. The whole story there is what? Prayer produces power to not fall into temptation. Prayer produces power to not fall into temptation. Glory to God. Prayer produces power to not fall into temptation. Thank you, Jesus. And so I'm encouraging you. That's why I'm, I'm giving you this to stir your faith because we're, we're beginning our prayer groups tonight. We're beginning those prayer groups tonight. And I can't tell you uh, further than I did today. I mean, I tried to give you as much as I could in an hour. 11 things, 11 crucial, critical things that your prayer produces. Prayer's not nonsensical. Prayer's not optional. Prayer's not arbitrary or random. Prayer is very specific and focused and it produces results. A church that refuses to pray is a church that will refuse to have power. A church that refuses to pray is a church that will not have results. A church that refuses to pray is a church that will not grow. You've got to have prayer to do anything that God's asked you to do, to complete it with, with power, to have heaven's momentum on you. Gotta pray. Got to pray. And so we're going to pray. And I want you to join us. If you've not yet signed up to be a part of the Miracle Word prayer teams, every Tuesday night at 7 on live Zoom call, 
you can sign up. Tonight's the first one at 7 p.m. Eastern. MiracleWord.com forward slash prayer team. We've got a men's group, we've got a women's group, and we now have 100 people with us starting tonight. But we want you to be a part of it. We want you to be a part of it. And so, join us. Join us for this. It's going to change things in our nation, in our families, in our churches, in our businesses, in our ministry. It's going to change things supernaturally. Expect to see miracles take place. Father, I pray you'd give every one of your children a hunger to pray, a hunger to seek your face. And Lord, as we step out in prayer by faith, we thank you that we will begin to see mighty miracles break forth, mighty things break loose in Jesus' name. This is going to be our season of breakthrough. We will see things we've never seen and things we couldn't have even imagined in our own minds because you go beyond, you exceed our expectations. You exceed what we ask or what we think. And so Lord, do it quickly. Let this be a year of transformation and wonders on every side. We thank you for that. We give you praise and glory for all that you're doing in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.